When we think about our Savior, we realize that there are two times Jesus Christ came to the earth. Now, we know three, there are three comings of Christ, two to the earth and one in the clouds. But let's just talk for a second about coming to the earth. The first time he came to the earth, he came to die on the cross to pay for sin. He offered himself as the king, but they rejected him. But he came to die and pay for sin. The second time he comes, he comes as the king of kings, Lord of lords. He comes to the Mount of Olives, and he comes to, to rule the world. The first time he basically asked them, to take him as the king. Second time, he's not asking anybody. And if you think about the chart, we always look at it this way. The first coming, he came to die and pay for sin, rise again. The second coming, he comes as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. When we think about the gospel, it actually deals with the first coming, that he came to die on the cross to pay for sin and to rise again. So the gospel is this good news message, and it's found in 1 Corinthians 15. Look at the Bible with me at 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul writes this. Now, this is really basic for all of us, but it's just to remind us. He says, for I delivered to you of first importance, which I also received. Paul is saying, this was the most important thing that I told you that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. The Old Testament, Isaiah 53, said the Messiah would die for sins. Then he was buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. What Scriptures? Psalm 16.10 said the Messiah would be raised. And so he's basically saying, I delivered of you, I told you the message, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, he was buried, and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas and others, and he was seen. That is the gospel message. And when you think about it, it is to pay for the sins of mankind. And this is something I want you to think about that I'm not sure I've taught in here. I don't know if I have or not. I know I've taught it in a lot of my classes. I know I've taught it, especially in my SBI classes. But there is an aspect of spiritual death and physical death. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, let's put it this way, there is dual aspects there of of a spiritual death to pay for our sins, so to speak, and then a physical death aspect so that he could be able to conquer death. And so when we think about it, he died to pay for sin, spiritual death, physical death, and then he rose the resurrection to conquer death as it is. So there's a lot of good things there, and we'll, we'll see it and we'll talk through it as we go through it. I, I don't know how long this will last. It could last if while. And if you have a question even here, you can ask questions here, and, and then when we get into the grow groups, you can talk about it in there as well. Let's talk about the death of Christ. Why would Jesus Christ die on the cross? Well, the answer is to pay for sin to pay for our sins. That's the bottom line. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but Jesus Christ came. I always say this. The Father came up with the plan, the Son carried out the plan, and the Holy Spirit reveals the plan. The Father came up with the plan to send the Son to pay for sin. The Son carried out the plan. He left the glories of heaven, came to the earth, died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again, conquering death, and the Holy Spirit reveals the plan. That's what he does. He reveals the plan, uh, letting us know, and he convicts the world, those kind of things. Galatians 4.4 4 says, In the fullness of time, God brought forth his Son. Can you imagine, and we talked about this in the life of Paul when we've been studying uh, in, in grow groups, about how at exactly the right time Jesus came to the world. I mean, Jesus is the eternal Son of God, and at a point in time in history, he left the glories of heaven, as the Philippians passage says. He thought it not something to be grasped at, that he, though, although he's equal with God, he thought equality with God was not something to be grasped at, but he emptied himself and became a human being. Now, he's still God. 
He's the God-man. God There's nothing like him. There's no, he's the one mediator between God and men. It is the man, Christ Jesus. So, But in the fullness of time, God brought forth his son, born of a woman, became a human being. We know that in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus actually says he did not come to be served. Now, if you're the king of kings and the Lord of lords, you'd think that you're going to come to the earth with all these human beings and they're going to serve you. But he said, no, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And what was his service? To give his life. It was to die and to pay for the sins of mankind and to rise again. And so at about age 30, he started the ministry, and it was to proclaim the fact that he is the Savior. And it's really amazing. If you think about it, what if, he, what if right now not, nothing has ever happened, and all of a sudden a person appeared and said, I'm the Messiah? And we'd go, really? And so what would make us believe that he's the Messiah? Well, you read the Gospel of John. He did seven different signs, and they says there are many other signs Jesus did that are not written in this book. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, and by believing you might have eternal life. So he did the signs that were recorded in the Gospel of John so that people would see who he is and believe in him for eternal life. Now, I hope that every one of us in this room have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life. So what sign did you need? Some of you may say, I didn't need a sign. I saw it in the book. I read it. I saw who Jesus is. I saw what he did. He died and rose again. I believe that he's the Messiah and the Savior, and I believe that he gives me eternal life. And so Jesus Christ came as the Messiah and the Savior. He told his men, we saw it in the in service, in the first service, that he was, he was going to die. He was going to lay down his life. He was going to die. And then he was going to rise again, death and resurrection. We talked about the fact that he got arrested and that he was tried six different times, three times by the Jews at night, all guilty, all uh, uh, illegal trials, and he was found guilty in every one. And then in the morning, he was tried three times before the Romans, and he was found not guilty on every one of them. And yet, he was crucified. So why, why, and I put this up here, why would Jesus be our sacrifice? Why would he die in our place? Because this, did every one of us in this room have sinned, wages of sin's death, Jesus Christ came and died in what? Our place. He's our substitute. He, he tasted death for Every person. He's the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. He came for every person to die. Why would Jesus do that? Well, 1 John 4, 9 says love. By this, the love of God was manifested that God sent his only begotten son in the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but God loved us and, and sent his son to be the what? The satisfactory payment. First John, not that we love God, but he loved us. And so when you say, why would God send his son and why would Jesus come and take our place? Because he loves us. He loves us beyond what we could imagine. He loves us beyond what we could imagine. We think about love and we say, I love my wife and I love my kids. And oh, I, I die for my kids. You know, we take all the good stuff. But, but we don't even comprehend his love for us. It's beyond that. In fact, anything we can think of. I was talking with somebody and they were uh, memorizing a verse uh, we, we were talking about the verse that it talked about and that you might know the love of God and the height of the death, da, 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 which is beyond comprehension. And I think it's funny that Paul writes that we might know the love of God that we can't know, that we can't completely know. It's just beyond us. And so we say, I kind of know the love of God, but I really don't because it's so far beyond anything we could imagine. So here's what I want you to think about for a second. And this, this is... Um, Maybe not, I might not have taught this in here, but we know that Jesus died on the cross to pay for sin. And if you said to somebody, when did Jesus pay for our sins? We would all say, most people would say, when he died on the cross. Well, let's talk for a second about spiritual and physical death. 
realize physical death is a result of spiritual death. Now, let's go back to the beginning. There's, there's, there's Adam and his wife, a woman. Her name is Isha there. She gets changed. Her name gets changed to Eve later on. And they're there, and God says, in the day that you eat from this fruit, he says, dying, you shall surely die. That's what it says in Hebrew. It's actually like there's two dyings there, and there are. There's a spiritual death that happens the moment we sin, and then there's a physical death, which is the result. Now, for Adam and Eve, it was like 900 years before they died physically. For us, it's not that long. And so what we see that there is a spiritual death and a physical death aspect. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died to pay for our what? Our sins. And when we say sins, we're talking about the spiritual aspect of this thing. So how did this happen? What happened? When, when did it happen? We're going to see that when Jesus Christ came to die for the sins of mankind, it was first to deal with spiritual death. Okay, now watch this. God demonstrates his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. So let's think about something for a second. And, and most of, a lot of you know this. Because so they took Jesus, and they, they three trials at night, illegal, all guilty, three trials in the morning, uh, it wasn't the aspect of legal illegal because Jesus wasn't a Roman citizen. He had no real rights at all. And, but he was found not guilty in every one of them. But they took him, and at 9 o'clock in the morning, it says, that's called the third hour of the day, they put him on the cross. And he was there and for three hours, and then at 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock, it became dark over the whole earth. Best we can tell. It was dark there for sure, but it appears that it was dark over the whole earth. Well, what is going on there? If you remember that while he's there, at about the ninth hour, which is 3 o'clock in the afternoon from 12 to 3, he shouts out and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What does that mean? When Jesus is dying for our sins, what is he saying? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's darkness. Jesus is being separated from the Father and the Holy Spirit. I used to say, I used to ask myself, why does he say, my God, my God? Why have you forsaken me? Because I think there's a break. There's a division. The wages of sin is what? And, and he's taken on our sins, and he's going to be separated from who? The Father and the Spirit. That's why I think he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is separated from the Father and the Spirit. And, and so I think right then he is taking the sins of the world. He is paying for our sins, being separated from the Father. This is before he dies physically. So when, if in your mind you say, when Jesus died physically, he paid for my sins. No. When he was separated from the Father from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock is when he pays for your sins. And he is paying for the sins of the world. Why? Because spiritual death is separated from the Father and the Son. Now, how do we know that? Well, because there are seven sayings that Jesus said on the cross. The very last saying that he says on the cross is, into your hands I commit my spirit. Well, that appears that Jesus Christ is back in fellowship with the Father there. But there is a saying right before that one. The sixth saying on the cross is, it is finished. Jesus says that before he dies physically. What is finished? What is finished? Would we say that it's the payment for sin? Would we say that what is finished? It's the payment for sin. He paid for sin before he died, what? Physically. Now, I know that's, some, that's new for some, but for, for many of us, we go, well, yeah, I see that. I see that. Before Jesus died physically, he paid for sin. He dealt with spirit, basically spiritual death. That's what it is. 
And, and then he's going to die, what? Physically. And so some people raise the question then, why physical death? If, he, if he's already paid for sin, why does he need to die physically? Because physical death is a result of spiritual death, and he's going to have to deal with that as well. And that's one of the reasons that he dies, so he can come back from the dead conquering death. That's why it says, oh, death, where's your, your, your you know, sting? Oh, death, where's your victory? There's not one, because Jesus has conquered death. And that's why we talk about it on, on Easter, because we're thinking of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Matthew, and I don't... I don't uh, have this up on the screen. It says, in Matthew, it says, the angel answered, uh, do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He's not here. He has risen. This is in Matthew 28, 6. He has risen just as he said, come see where he was lying. That's physical death. He's conquered physical death. And so that, this is not a long message. I just want you to grasp this. And, and so uh, the first time I really put this together, I thought, I, this makes sense. It makes sense. Why does he say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why is he separated from the Father? And then how can he say, it's finished if he's not dead? And how can he say, into your hands I commit my spirit? If he is, is he back in fellowship? The answer is yes. So the only logical thing as we study it is, obviously, when he was separated from the Father on the cross, he's paying for our sins. And then he's back in the fellowship. It is finished. And then he dies physically and is raised from the dead to conquer physical death. And so when we think about it, Jesus has died on the cross to pay for sin. Christ rose from the grave to conquer physical death. And death is conquered. So why is... Well, so Jesus, Here's something that most people don't think about. Jesus has paid for the sin of every person. Jesus also conquered death for every person. That's why in the first service I said, uh, when it's all over, every human being is going to be raised from the dead. Jesus Christ has paid for the sins of every person, believers and unbelievers. He's the satisfactory payment not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. So understand that. Unbelievers have their sins paid for. That doesn't save them, but they have their sins paid for. And unbelievers will have death conquered, and they will exist forever because of Jesus' death on the cross to pay for the sins of every person and because of his resurrection from the dead to conquer death for every person. Every person has sins paid for, and will exist forever. So why is Jesus' resurrection so important? I mean, what makes this the thing? Well, because death is conquered, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? No, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me stop for a second. Are there any questions? Let me, let me, let me give you an idea of what we're talking about again. We're talking about Jesus going to the cross and dying on the cross to pay for sin and then rising from the grave. Most of the time, we think he paid for sin when he died physically, and then he rose from the grave. What we realize is he paid for sin when he was separated from the Father on the cross, and he said, it is finished. That's before he died physically. He said, into your hands I commit my spirit. That's back in the fellowship before he died physically. Then he died physically and rose from the grave three days later to conquer death for everyone. I think a lot of people have issues. They, when I say issues, they don't comprehend that if Jesus paid for everybody's sins, and he did, they, they assume, well, if Jesus paid for everybody's sins, everybody would be saved. But that's not true. The payment for sin does not equal salvation. What equals salvation? Faith equals salvation. 
He didn't say, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever has the payment for sin will never perish, but have eternal life. It says, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes. Faith equals salvation. Payment of sin does not equal salvation. Payment of sins opens the way that has removed the debt so that we can have eternal life simply by faith. So, great stuff. Let me, let me throw this up here, and then we'll open it. So, death is to pay for sin, deal with spiritual death. Resurrection is to conquer death and conquer, basically, physical death as well. And John Stott said this, we live and die. Jesus died and lives. It's a great point.